Chapter Sixteen of Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fibsy's Busy Day. It's this way, F. Stone said Fibsy earnestly. The crooks of the situation. The what? The crooks. That's what they call it. Oh, the crocks stone did not laugh yes sir if that's how you pronounce it guess i'll stick to plain english well to my way of thinking the little joker in the case is that there raspberry jam i'm a strong believer in raspberry jam on general principles but in particular i should say in this present case raspberry jam will win the war don't eat it thought you were going to talk plain english you're cryptic my son all right here goes that jam business is straight goods the old lady says she tasted jam and she did taste jam that's all there is about that and that sweet pleasant innocent raspberry jam will yet send the murderer of mr embry to the chair i think myself there is something to be looked into there but how are you going about it don't know yet but here's another thing mr stone that i ain't had time to tell you yet that suppose you begin at the beginning and tell me your story in order supposing i do Fibsy thought a moment before he began it was the morning after the two had dined at the embry home and they were breakfasting together in stone's hotel apartment well mr stone as you know i left mrs embry's last night directly after mr hendricks took his departure as i suspected there was trouble awaiting for him just outside the street doorway that hanlon chap was standing and he met up with mr hendricks much to the dismay of the latter your english is fine this morning go ahead well hanlon fell into step like with mr hendricks and they walked along hanlon doing the talking i didn't dare get close enough to overhear them for they are both live wires and i don't fool either of them into thinking myself a ninky poop so i trailed but well out of sight and hold on mr stone while i tell you this the fake medium that miss ames went to see yesterday afternoon was none other than friend hanlon himself what fibs are you sure sure as shooting i spotted him the minute he came up to mrs embry's i didn't recognize him at first as the whiskered mooses but i did later you know mr stone i saw him do stunts for newspapers in two towns and i wonder i didn't tumble to him in the spook shop but i didn't they say because when i saw him 
during his mind-reading tricks outdoors he was blindfolded which some concealed his natural scenery well he hadn't more tripped over the embry welcome mat than i was on to him me thinker worked light lightning and i had him ticketed and pigeonholed in no time is he mixed up in the embry case he's mixed up with mr hendricks in some way and he learned from miss ames that hendricks was to be among those present so he made up foolish excuses and betook himself to the vicinity of said hendricks why wanted to converse with him and couldn't get hold of him otherwise hendricks it would seem didn't hanker for said conversation i remember hanlon asked mr hendricks if he were going his way and hendricks said he was going to spend the evening where he was exactly and did but all the same hanlon waited and a wait of an hour and a half registers patience and perseverance to my mind right you are and you trailed the pair did i fibsy fell back in his chair as if exhausted i followed them to mr hendrick's home they shattering glibly all the way and then after a few minutes further remarks on the doorstep hendrick's he went in and hanlin you know mr stone hanlin's nobody's fool and he knew i was following him as well as he knew his name i don't know how he knew it for i was most careful to keep out of sight but all the same he did know it and what do you think he did he led me a chase of miles and miles and miles that's what he did on purpose on purpose laughing in his silly sleeve i was game i trotted along but believe me i was mad and the gallop was so slick about it why he walked up broadway first as if he had a business appointment in a desperate hurry then having reached hundred and twenty-fifth street he pauses a minute to be sure i'm trailing the villain and then he swings east and across town and he turns south again oh well mr stone he simply makes me follow him till i am that dog tired i near drops in my tracks and to top the heap he leads me straight to this hotel where we're staying yes sir right here and making a sharp turn he says good night pleasant like and scoots off can you beat it poor old fibs that was an experience looks like the handling person is one to be reckoned with but it doesn't prove him mixed up in the murder mystery in any way no sir it don't it's only made me sore on him and sore on my own account too fibsy grinned ruefully me feet that blistered and i am lame all over poor boy you see he's a sprinter from way back his stunts on that newspaper work 
prove he can take long walks without turning a hair yes but it's cruelty to animals to drag a young feller like me along too have got his number just you wait seal remember mr stone he played spook catcher to miss ames that means something sir it does indeed this is a great old case fibsy are you getting a line on it i think so sir and the lad looked very earnest are you a strange one but yet a line to-day fibs i want you to interview that mrs desternay you can do it better than i jolly her along and find out if she's friend or foe of mrs embry yes sir and can i do a little sleuthing on my own what sort legitimate i do assure you sir when fibsy assumed this deeply earnest air stone knew some clever dodge was in his mind and he found it usually turned out well so he said go ahead my boy i trust you thank you and fibsy devoted himself to the remainder of his breakfast while stone read the morning paper an hour later terence mcguire presented himself at the embry home and asked for miss ames good morning ma'am he said as he smiled brightly at her how you like to join me in a bit of investigation that will probably end up in a solution of the mystery i'd like that first-rate replied miss ames with enthusiasm when do we begin immediately where is mrs embry in her room no use of disturbing her but i want to see the jersey the gymnasium jersey your ghost wore aunt abby looked disappointed she had hoped for something more exciting but she said i'll get it and went at once to sanford's embry's room thank you said fibsy as he took it but his eager scrutiny failed to disclose any trace of jam on its sleeves which arm did you bite he asked briefly i didn't really bite at all miss ames returned i sort of made a snap at him it was more a nervous gesture than an intelligent action and i just caught a bit of the worsted sleeve between my lips for an instant it was let me see it must have been the left arm well we will examine both sleeves and i regret to state ma'am there is no sign of sticky stuff this is a fine specimen of a jersey i never saw a handsomer one but there is no stain on it and never has been nor has it ever been cleaned with gasoline mused miss ames and yet maguire nothing to my dying day can ever convince me that i am mistaken on those two subjects am just as sure as i can be i am sure too listen here miss ames there is a great little old revelation 
due in about a day or so and i wish you would lay low will you what do you mean why don't do or say much about the affair let it simmer i am on the war path and so's mr stone and we're coming out on top if we don't have no drawbacks so don't trot around to clarvians or harp on that their vision of yours will you my boy i am only too glad to keep away from the subject i am worried to death with it all and if i can't do any good by my efforts i'll willingly lay low as you ask all right ma'am now i am off and i'll be back here when i come again so long Fibsy went down in the service elevator and forthwith proceeded to interview the rubbish man of the house and some other functionaries by dint of much prodding of memory assisted by judicious silver offerings he finally learned that there was an apartment occupied by a couple with four children who it appeared consumed large quantities of jam of all flavors at least the rubbish was bristling with empty jam pots and the deduction was logical seemingly unimpressed Fibsy declared it was pickle fiends he was searching for and departed outwardly crestfallen but inwardly elated going out of doors he walked to the corner of park avenue and turned into the side street crossing that street to get a better view he looked up the side of the big apartment house and his gaze paused at the window in the tenth story which was in miss ames sleeping room two floors below this was the apartment of the family who were reputed jam eaters Fibsy looked intently at all the windows the one next miss ames was he knew in the embrace pantry hence the one two stories below was the patterson's pantry the patterson being the aforesaid family and to the boy's astonished and delighted eyes there on the pantry window-sill sat what was unmistakably a jam jar so far so good but what did it mean fibsy had learned that mr patterson was a member of the metropolitan athletic club and was greatly interested in its presidential election which election owing to the death of one of the candidates had been indefinitely postponed but further investigation of mr patterson was too serious a matter for the boy to undertake it must be referred to flemingstone so fibsy glued his eyes once more to that fascinating jam jar up on the eighth-story window-sill and slowly walked away under his breath he was singing raspberry jam raspberry jam to the tune of a certain march from lohengrin which somehow represented to his idea the high note of triumph he proceeded along the cross street and at fifth avenue he entered a bus 
his next errand took him to the home of fifi d'esternay by some ingenious method of wheedling he persuaded the doorman to acquaint the lady with the fact of his presence and when she came into the room where he awaited her he banged on his nerve to induce her to grant him an interview you know me he said with his most ingratiating smile and he even went so far as to take her bringed little hand in his own boyish pool i do not she declared staring at him and then his grin proving infectious she added not unkindly who are you child i wish i was a society reporter or a photographer or anybody who could do justice to your wonderful charms his gaze of admiration was so sincere that fifi couldn't resent it she often looked her best in the morning and her dainty negligee and bewitching french cap made her a lovely picture she tucked herself into a big cushioned chair and drawing a smoking stand nearer fussed with its silver appointments let me ma'am said fibsy eagerly and though it was his first attempt he held a lighted match to her cigarette with real grace then drawing a long breath of relief at his success he took a cigarette himself and sat near her well she began what's it all about and do tell me how you got in i'm glad you did though it was against orders i have not seen anything so amusing as you for a long time this is my amusing day returned the boy imperturbably i came to talk over things in general and what in particular fifi was enjoying herself she felt almost sure the boy was a reporter of a new sort but she was frankly curious well ma'am and here fibsy changed his demeanour to a stern scrawling fierceness i'm a special investigator he rose now and strode about the room i'm engaged on the embry murder case and i'm here to ask you a few pointed questions about it my heavens cried fifi what are you talking about don't scoff at me ma'am i am in authority oh well go ahead why are you questioning me it's this way ma'am fibsy sat down astride a chair looking over the back of it at his hostess you and mrs embry are bosom friends i understand from whom do you understand it was the tart response from mrs embry in a matter of speaking yes and then again no but aren't you we were we were school friends and have been intimates for years but since her trouble mrs embry has thrown me over has discarded me utterly i'm so sorry fifi daintily touched her eyes with a tiny square of monogrammed linen 
and Fibsy said gravely, Careful there, don't dab your eyelashes too hard. What? Mrs. Desternay could scarcely believe her ears. Honest, you'd better look out, it's coming off now. Nothing of the sort, and Phoebe wiped out a vanity case and readjusted her cosmetic adornment then i take it you two are not friends we most certainly are not i wouldn't do anything in the world to injure eunice embry in fact i'd help her even now though she scorned my assistance but we are not friends no all right i just wanted to know ask right out that's my motto it seems to be Anything else you are thirsting to learn? Yes'm, you know that Hamlet performance you and Miss Embry went to. Yes, said Fifi cautiously. You know, you accused her of talking it over with you. She did. Yes'm, I know you say she did. I got that from Mr. Shane. But let me tell you, ma'am, friendly-like, you want to be careful how you tell that yarn, cause there's chance for a perfectly good slander case against you. What nonsense! But Fifi paled a little under her delicate rouge. No nonsense whatsoever, but here's the point. Was there a witness to that conversation? Why, let me see. We talked it over at the matinee, we were alone then. But yes, of course, I recollect now. That same evening, Eunice was here, and Mr. Hendricks was too, and Mr. Patterson. He lives in their apartment house, the Embrys. I mean, and we all talked about it. There, I guess that's witnesses enough. I guess it is. But take it from me, lady. You're too pretty to get into a bothersome lawsuit, and I advise you to keep on the sunny side of the street and let these shady matters alone. I'll gladly do so. Honest, I don't want to get Eunice in bad. Oh, no, we all know you don't want to get her in bad, unless it can be done with absolute safety to your own precious self. Well, it can't, ma'am. You keep on like you have begun, and your middle name will soon be trouble. Good morning, ma'am. Fibsy rose, bowed, and left the room so suddenly that Fifi hadn't time to stop him if she had wanted to, and he left behind him a decidedly scared little woman. Fibsy went straight to the offices of Mason Elliot. He was admitted and given an audience at once. "'What is it, Maguire? asked the broker. "'A lot of things, Mr. Elliot. First of all, I suppose the police are quite satisfied with the alibis of you and Mr. Hendricks.' "'Yes,' and Elliot looked curiously into the grave, earnest little face. He had resented, at first, the work of this boy, but after Fleming Stone had explained his worth, 
Elliot soon began to see it for himself. They are unimpeachable, he went on. I was at home, and Mr. Hendricks was in Boston. This had been proved over and over by many witnesses, both authentic and credible. Yes, Fibsy nodded. I am sure of it, too. And, of course, that lets you two out. Now, Mr. Elliot, the butler didn't do it. F. Stone says that's a self-evident fact. Bringing us back, as per usual, to the two ladies. But, Mr. Elliot, neither of those ladies did it. Bless you, my boy. That's my own opinion, of course. But how can we prove it? Fibsy deeply appreciated the we, and gave the speaker a grateful smile. There you are, Mr. Elliot. How can we? Mr. Stone, as you know, is the cleverest detective in the world, but he's no magician. He can't find the truth if the truth is hidden in a place he can't get at. Have you any idea, Maguire, who the murderer was? No, sir, I haven't. But I have an idea where to get an idea, and I want you to help me. Surely, that goes without saying. You would do anything for Mrs. Embry, wouldn't you? Anything. The simple assertion told the whole story, and Fibsy nodded with satisfaction. Then tell me truly, sir, please, wasn't Mr. Embry a, a, a... Careful there, he's dead, you know. Yes, I know, but it's necessary, sir. Wasn't he a... I don't know the right term, but wasn't he a money grabber? In what way? Elliot spoke very gravely. You know best, sir. He was your partner. Had been for some years. But on the side now, didn't he do this? Lend money sort of personally, you know, on security? And if he did? Didn't he demand big security? Didn't he get men? his friends even in his power, and then come down on them? Oh, wasn't he a sort of a loan shark? Where did you get all this? I put together odds and ends of talk I've heard, and it must be so, that Mr. Patterson now... Patterson? What do you know of him? Nothing, but that he owed Mr. Embry a lot, and his household stuff was the collateral, and... Where did you learn that? I insist on knowing. Servant's gossip, sir. I picked it up in the apartment house. He and the Imbries live in the same one, you know. Maguire, you are on a wrong trail. Mr. Embry may have lent money to his friends, may have had collateral security from them probably did but that's nothing to do with his being killed and as it is a blot on his memory i do not want the matter made public i understand that mr elliot 
neither do i but supposing the discovery of the murderer hinges on that very thing that very branch of mr embry's business then mustn't it be looked into perhaps it must but not by you no sir by f stone End of chapter 16